Welcome to Security Rules. This episode is brought to you by Tooth and Iris. Cloud native platforms have helped increase business agility and accelerate innovation. And in a cloud first world, the need to secure applications to protect sensitive information is as important as ever. To learn more about how Tooth and Iris helps cloud operation IT security teams regain visibility and control security policies, visit tooth.io. For this episode of Security Rules, I'm sitting down with Joe Schreiber, the technical director at Tufin Technologies. Um, Joe, my understanding is you've been in IT security since dial-up? Uh, yeah, maybe even before dial-up. I mean, I was programming at, uh, I want to say like age six or five. I just don't think that security was really relevant until dial-up, uh, but uh, the natural paranoia that I have kind of just pushed me into the security field. Were, uh, were you ever an advocate for freaking, which I feel like is a long-lost art form of hacking? Uh, freaking, for sure. There were a lot of boxes I built, yeah. you know, uh, various colors and so forth. But uh, that was a short-lived kind of opportunity in my age time frame, right? I, I think, you know, by the time Captain Crunch came out, you know, I was already kind of, uh, or it was too soon for me, I should say. Uh, and then after that, there were just more appealing targets other than phone systems. All right, yeah. And uh, so I guess for context, Joe, uh, before Tufin, uh, you've been working in security for a number of different organizations, some of them being utilities, uh, others being uh, MSSPs. You've been security lead before. Um, so I think we're going to have an opportunity to cover a couple different topics um, in a few different episodes here. But I think Maybe to start with, we talk about something that I, I think you know quite a bit more about than I do, and perhaps most other people as well, uh, which is uh, the acronym IBN, or Intent-Based Networking. Uh, and rather than me kind of stumble through what I think it is, maybe you could give an overview for folks of uh, what it is and why it's become so relevant, at least in the uh, media and I think content that I'm seeing pushed in front of me on a daily basis. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I, I think a disambiguation is is really warranted around IBN. Uh, I think a lot of uh, marketing departments use some aspects of IBN, don't necessarily kind of outlay the entire picture, because the thing with IBN is it's not new, number one. Uh, like most concepts, you know, you go back, you look in history, somebody thought about that idea 20 years ago, 50 years ago, or what have you, and, and IBN is no different. I, I think the, the difference now is that we're actually capable of performing IBN. Uh, as products have matured and, and programming has gotten more into the life of network engineers, I, I think there's the possibility to do IBN. And I should also say that I don't think there's a product out on the market today that is pure IBN. Right. There are markets uh, or products that can help you enable IBN or get you there. And to understand why that's the case, I think the important thing is to break IBN into two parts. One is the intent factor, and the second is the network. So the first thing is you have to understand intent. And what do we mean by that in networking? So the first part may be, hey, I need to get from site A to B in a secure methodology. Um, and that's what I need. That's my intent. Uh, and that's what I want to do. Uh, but in order to do that on the back end, you may be faced with either uh, inadequacies of your product or maybe an abundance of options, right? Which, which VPN uh, encryption method do I choose and so forth, right? Um, and this, this first part about clarifying intent has taken probably longer, I think, than the networking aspect or the programmability of networks uh, because capturing human intent has been really difficult in an industry where people really don't know what they want, right? So 
Um, hey, I need a web server. Well, what kind of web server? Are you hosting uh, proprietary content? Does it need to have uh, SSL? Does it need to be exposed to the world and so forth, right? These litany of questions that go with the use case that you're trying to provide weren't always easy to answer either from the, the person requesting it or the practitioner that's implementing it. So once you've figured out okay, I understand what people want to do. That is, I understand the business intent, the technology intent, and so forth. Now you move on to the second phase, which is actually programmable networks. And this is something that really wasn't accessible maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And I'm not necessarily talking about SDN, although you know, academic SDN would have definitely fulfilled this concept to a, to a greater degree, but more so it's a matter of orchestration, I think, at this point. And when I say programmable networks, I can break that down maybe in two different ways. Uh, one, as I said about orchestration, is the ability to manipulate these products to get to that end state, or uh, actually using programming, programmable interfaces to accomplish what you want, right? So whether that's uh, using APIs uh, to, to get there or using something native to the product to accomplish what you're looking to do, the combination of these two things, the capturing of intent, which is generally from maybe a user portal or, or something like that, and then translating that into a series of mechanisms to accomplish that intent is really what IBN is based on or practically defined as. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because I, I think what you kind of alluded to in these requirements for all these integrations out there and maybe the fact that IBN may not necessarily be so material so far... Um, how close do you think we are to actually having an IBM solution? Because in my mind, I think you'd have to have a, a single vendor landscape and they'd already have to have everything, you know, integrated within itself and their own kind of single pane of glass. But I think realistically speaking, um, you know, if any organization really is probably going to have a fairly varied technical landscape. Um, and with that being said, how far away do you think we are uh, given what you've seen with kind of the progress towards it and from the different vendors out there uh, of having IBM become an actual material um, solution? I, I think we're not terribly far away, you know, maybe a, a couple years and so forth. And the, one of the reasons that I'm optimistic is that if you look at something tangential like SOAR, right, security, orchestration, automation, and so on, mm -hmm. those platforms have proven that you can take uh, a mixed variety of products from you know different use cases, different functionalities, different vendors, and so forth, and orchestrate them in a meaningful way, right? Whether it's from that security practitioner standpoint or compliance or what have you, I think we've reached that level of achievability around being able to combine multiple products or uh, getting to that necessary minimum level of glue code or something like that to get these products to work together. Once that starts happening in the network arena, I think when the IBN will start to take off. Okay. And uh, it's interesting because do you think that this is kind of the silver bullet for solving a lot of the networking challenges? It's the, the one wing or one ring to rule them? You know, I, I caution against that, right? Because we, when we look at security or InfoSec, uh, there was a long history of silver bullets uh, mm -hmm. that never panned out. And I, I think the idea of a probably a single solution for most problems and what we deal with today is probably unlikely, right? Whether it's IBN, policy management, or what have you, uh, I think the fe feasibility of using just one piece of software, it's, it's not possible anymore. Okay. So Joe, knowing that IBN may be something that is 
tangibly approachable uh, in the next few years and clearly something that vendors are already starting to market uh, towards. Why would it be relevant to individuals to start um, educating themselves on it, getting more familiar with it? What are the benefits, I guess, to um, you know someone to acclimate themselves to something? So what I think is fairly dramatically new. Um, well, I, I think the, the key thing is to factor on the second part, the, the programmable network aspect, right? I think we've seen, or at least I've seen, software that's capable of analyzing intent. You can always kind of capture that through a step-through method in a portal to get to where they want, right? Walk them through a process and mm-hmm. so forth. But the other aspect, right, when you actually go to make these changes in the network, you're inevitably going to have to orchestrate and maybe actually create glue code, as I said earlier, right? That means you're going to have to sit down and actually instrument these APIs. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a really important thing to realize because if you look at where networks are going, right, outside of SDN, this fully programmable uh, aspect, what we, ha- we have what we call uh, also software orchestrated networks, or at least what I call them, when I look at something like ACI or NSX as an example of that. Okay. And how about uh, in the context of the public cloud, right? I mean, all of a sudden we're starting to bridge a whole number of different things together. And is IBM the the solution for that as well? Because it seems like thus far, um, despite the best efforts to kind of consolidate management of the network, we're still starting to see it sever, right? Um, You think IBM is kind of that, that olive branch that will solve some of the gaps that we're seeing between kind of that... Um, application-oriented DevOps world and kind of the traditional world of networking and IT infrastructure? No, I, I think so. And I, I kind of see it as more of a facilitator, right? So cloud has always traditionally been services-based, right? AWS, services. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that ultimately that's where you want to go, right? Because a combination of services will get you to that end result. And so if a cloud provider is already set up that way, they make it easier for you to get started, right? The whole shadow IT thing is there because uh, that it's easy to get started, right? Versus installing something and so forth, right? So definitely take advantage of that. But I think the other aspect is hybrid cloud is a complete reality today, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're not already in a public cloud, you should be. And if you're not into two or three public clouds, you should be, right? And I think that's the, the key thing about getting up and running. Additionally, Think about that hybrid aspect outside of cloud um, and start thinking about how you can abstract these things. Because if we're talking about intent-based networking, you're going to want to do a series of tasks. Those tasks uh, may repeat themselves, but actually be implemented on different devices, right? So understanding how to reuse that orchestration and automation can be really important for intent-based networking. And creating that abstraction layer allows you to take advantage of cloud services, uh, software orchestrated networks, and so on, and then traditional networks as well. And then that way, you can keep that intent separate from the the programmable side. Joe, you said something um, that was uh, interesting to me, and I don't want to deviate too far from what we're already talking about, but you suggested that uh, people should be using multi-clouds, which from a security perspective, I could also see being both beneficial but also a challenge too, right? Uh, starts to expand in some ways, right, of what we have to manage. Uh, conversely, I could see the benefits of having things kind of siloed in different areas that may not necessarily be so easily integrated together. But uh, from your perspective, why should organizations have multiple clouds? Well, I, I don't know if it's uh, maybe 
as a detriment, as you're implying, right? I can definitely see kind of the administrative aspects or the authentication problems potentially, but, you know, we live in a land of, of key stores and IAM and so forth that can really mitigate that uh, scenario. But from a multi-cloud perspective, I mean, one, redundancy is, is key, all right? AWS has gone down, right? It's not like it, it's gonna happen every week and so forth, but you wanna maintain availability from a business perspective. But secondly, we, we mentioned earlier about services, right? And that's really what I think the cloud is, is it's more important uh, to, to concern yourself with because infrastructure you can get everywhere, right? You can go out, uh, Google hosting provider, find yourself a server or what have you. But you know, finding a, an image recognition service or a license plate reader service or uh, machine learning services and so forth, uh, that's really important because one, the instantiation of those is, is, is really big, all right? It's really challenging for you to get up and running on those services, whereas cloud makes it easy as an API. I don't know if you've ever set up, say, an Alexa skill, right? You can do that completely web-based without any programming knowledge and so forth, right? So I think it's this mix of services that really make it uh, advantageous to have multi-cloud. And then, of course, you know, you're going to have the almighty cost. That's always an over, uh, overarching factor with these cloud services. There's a variety of uh, software tools and providers out there. Many have been subsumed by some of the bigger players to help you really understand the cost of running in these multi-cloud environments. And because the connectivity between these environments has gotten easier to facilitate, you can take advantage of maybe lower storage costs in one cloud or lower services in another and so on. All right. Joe, I'm going to ask you one last question. Uh, it's a little bit forward thinking, but I think it's critically important for those of us that appreciate, I think, some of the more uh, exaggerated facets of, of tech, right? So um, if IBN, intent-based networking, uh, is meant to deliver what software-defined network was supposed to be, which was meant to be kind of this, you know, automated networking jungle full and free of a whole lot of human intervention. What is the actual solution going to be called and what's the acronym for it? Wow, that's super forward looking, right? So I, I think, you know, one, we haven't seen the realization of, of SDN, at least from, you know, the academic side. We're seeing software orchestrated networks and so forth. You know, I was really looking forward to SDN because I wanted to get rid of routing. I wanted to get rid of VLANs, right? All of these antiquated, uh, you know, networking facilities that really restrict us from moving to the cloud and so forth. But from a perspective of what will that be called? I mean, I just hope it's called networking, right? Like the simple term of networking, right? The fact that maybe perhaps we've gotten so abstracted and uh, so accustomed to APIs that it's just simple networking, right? We can go beyond those old antiquated things like VLANs and so on. Oh, so actually make networking what we all want it to be. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, right? If we remove you know, the difficulty out of it, we make it easier to orchestrate networks and policy and so forth, I, I think it's uh, inevitable. I think it's trendy too. You know, I feel like most of the restaurants I go to are all single name words now. It used to be like you know, the Tavern on Fifth but now I go to places called, you know, Slate. Yeah, or or uh, or Spice down the street where robots will just make your food for you, right? We're really living in the future, I think. Yeah, they haven't automated themselves out of jobs, though, because the, the guys that work there, the guys and girls, uh, are software developers that actually maintain the systems. 
Yeah, you know, I, I, when I went in there, I was surprised too. I expected to be far less people in that restaurant, given the automation and all the buildup to it. But there were still just as many people as any other restaurant in there so far. It's kind of overwhelming because think about it: the the whole process of ordering food and going out um, relied on human interaction, and now you know the novelty there is don't talk to anyone. <laughs> no, absolutely. I remember the first time uh, I went to a McDonald's with that crazy ordering system and I had to go of course overseas to do that uh, I was really surprised right uh, because ordering can go really fast with a person right uh, no onions you know no ketchup or whatever it's really easy for a human but what I remember happening in that instance was a line right because people couldn't figure out the ordering system the complexity of it was too much uh, and it ended up being slower than a human right and so I think that is almost a cautionary tale around IBM, right? If you're if you're taking too much time to potentially resolve an intent, or you're taking uh, too many complex steps in order to uh, realize that intent, something's wrong, right? If if orchestration is great, but it doesn't need to be a 60, 80 wide product orchestration, right? You have to keep things in in some kind of realm of sanity. Joe, you just did a wonderful job of bringing us back from fast food ordering uh, back into the relevance of IBN. So thank you very much for that. Um, uh, thank you very much for participating in today's uh, episode of Security Rules and Tent-Based Networking. We're looking forward to having you on the next one. Wow, thank you. That was uh, easier than I thought it would be. Yeah, glad you could come by and spend some time in here. This episode is brought to you by Tooth and Iris. Cloud-native platforms have helped increase business agility and accelerate innovation. And in a cloud-first world, the need to secure applications to protect sensitive information is as important as ever. To learn more about how Tufan Iris helps cloud operation IT security teams regain visibility and control security policies, visit tufan.io.